0: Welcome to Cars Yeah, show number 617.
1: They said I couldn't, so that's why I did.
0: This is Cars Yeah, where you'll enjoy interviews with inspiring automotive enthusiasts. Mark Green is here to provide you with a fuel injection of automotive inspiration. So get in, sit down, buckle up, and get ready for a wild ride here on Cars Yeah. I've got one in each of my vehicles. Get yours at GeniusChargers.com. Hello, automotive enthusiasts. I am revved up and so excited to introduce today's very special guest, Emily Miller. Emily, are you buckled up and ready for a fun ride?
1: I sure am, Mark. Thanks.
0: All right. Emily Miller is the president of SoulSide Network, a public relations and sports marketing firm. She's also the founder of the first women's navigation rally in the United States, the Rebel Rally. It's an event that spans seven days and covers 1,200 miles through California. The focus is on skill, not speed, and the participants are not allowed to use any GPS, mobile telephones, or any outside assistance to find their way. In her driving adventures, Emily has earned numerous podium finishes and wins, including the Baja 1000, And she's the first woman to solo the longest off-road race in the United States. She's coached over 4,000 people and produced over 100 experiential automotive events. Emily's a recipient of the Women's Automotive Alliance International Spirit of Leadership Award. And her mantra is, to finish first, you must first finish. So, Emily, I've told our listeners just a tiny bit about you. Would you take a brief moment, sure, a little bit more about your career? What do you do for a living as far as having fun out there on the road and your passion for automobiles?
1: Sure. Well, thanks, Mark. So um, I guess, yeah, I mean, you, you kind of said it there. I own a sports marketing company, which has allowed me to see some amazing places and do some amazing things and work with great clients. We do um, public relations, uh, sports marketing, and also event production. Working with companies like um, Red Bull, um, Michelin, BF Goodrich, lots of different um, companies. So it's really been a fun ride. But I got involved in, in automotive because of my company. I was sitting in a meeting at the National Automobile Museum, the Heracar Car Collection up in Reno, Nevada. Oh yeah. Quite a while ago, and I met a gentleman by the name of Rod Hall, who is a very well-known, famous off-road racer. Mm-hmm. And he, um, in fact, is, I believe, turning 80 this year. He's the only person that raced every single Baja 1000.
0: Yeah, he's incredible.
1: He is incredible. And I didn't know it at the time because I was not really into off-road. And got to know Rod and worked with him on some really great projects. And in the process, he approached me and asked me to race for his team which was a factory team for General Motors. Wow. And which was incredible because I did not come from off-road, but I came from a a skiing, cycling, snowboarding background. Mm -hmm. And he just said, hey, I can teach you what I know, and I can teach you how to drive, but I can't teach you to be a team player or want to win or, you know, never have a never-give-up attitude, but I can teach you how to drive. Nice. You will have to learn, and I will teach you how to finish you will have to learn how to win, <laughs> and it took me on a journey that was has been so incredible, and I, I'm very, very thankful for it. And it has uh, impacted my business, my hobbies, and my life, and my. Um, circle of friends.
0: Wow, what a story. Well, yeah, he is a legend, an iconic legend, of course, and he's somebody I'd love to have on the show as well because of his background. I've had a lot of people on the show that do off-road, a lot of people that have raced in the Baja 1000 and different events down there, both on motorcycles and in cars. Very cool. Well, we're going to learn a lot more about you as we continue on your journey, but first, I always like to ask my guest for a success quote or a mantra. This is some kind of saying that's been instrumental in forming your success, and it's a really nice way to get the the inspirational wheels turning here on cars. Yeah. So, Emily, take the wheel.
1: Sure. Well, you said it first. It was Rod's quote, and I'm sure he's heard it from others, but we all practice that in, in off road. And that's to finish first, you must first finish. And I think that is one of the most important things. And the other one is, they said I couldn't, so that's why I did.
0: <laughs> I love that. Well, tell me a little bit about how you've incorporated these two great quotes into your business and into your life.
1: You know, I think that I would say that the way I've incorporated it is they said I couldn't, so that's why I did. And I really don't like naysaying. I appreciate great wisdom from really experienced, smart strong people. Mm. and But when there are a lot of people out there that sit on the couch or armchair quarterbacks and and give their opinions, but it's really easy to um, knock something down or be a naysayer. And so um, when people say you can't, I really have to consider the source, but it also gives me that fuel and that fire and to actually go and do it. I've really found that you usually know in your gut if you can, Mm -hmm. and you should go for it. And then the other thing is to finish first, you must first finish. Life is a body of work, and we really practice that. We work extremely hard in our business. Um, We know that we can do great work if we just work super hard. But you have to finish. You have to get to the end, and you cannot give up. And that is the kind of attitude I look for in the people I work with in my friends, and in my circles. And I think that by being around the same type of people, that really helps. And I believe that it's really about doing your work and your preparation, and that you can't just show up and win. You have to really put it out there, put yourself out there, and just work hard, hard, hard.
2: Very
0: well said. Great quotes, great way to go through life, and great way to set yourself up for adventure, which is definitely what you've done. Let's go back in time a little bit. I'd love for you to share a story with me that instigated your passion for cars. You talked about that meeting that kind of got you on a start of racing and doing cars and things, but is there a pivotal moment in your life when you knew that you too might be a car gal?
1: There was, and actually it was when I was really young. My dad is fanatical about cars and buildings. My dad was an architect when I was growing up, and we ended up going around and seeing famous cars and famous car collections and famous buildings as opposed to going at, to Disney World. I mean I never <laughs> went to Disney World as a kid, but I can tell you I've seen pretty much every Frank Lloyd Wright home. So that was that was what life was like when I was young and I would sit by the fire when I was, you know, 8, 9, 10 years old and read Car and Driver with my dad. Nice. And every we couldn't wait till the next one would come out and I would read it and we'd talk about it and then we go, you know, check out cars. And, and I remember noticing that there were no women who were reviewing cars in those magazines. Mm. Uh, you know, I'd read, uh, you know, the author and I really wondered why, you know, even at a young age. And I just knew that, hey, I love cars and this is so cool. You know, why aren't there women writing these stories? And, right. and I remember that b- being young and, and talking to my dad about that. And I would say that that is when I, I think through aesthetics and design and that love that my father had. And my father was someone who made me believe that I could do anything and be anything. And he was such, has been such a big impact on my life, both, both of my parents. And I think that that was my aha moment was, you know, one specific, you know, night sitting around the fire and making that, you know, realization there weren't women doing that. From there, um, I've loved vehicles, but I was very fortunate that when I got the opportunity to learn how to really drive from Rod and to learn how to be a, more of a race driver and an endurance uh, distance driver, I um, I think it came to the right moment in my life. You know, I wasn't young, but I had had enough life experience that I think it came to me at a better moment in my life, mm-hmm. where I could appreciate it more and I, where I could apply some of the life experience and sport experience I had, um, you know, line picking type sports um, to a vehicle.
0: Well, Emily, you and I uh, share something. My father was also an architect and also was the one that got me into cars when I was quite young. His first fun car was an MGTC. mm mm-hmm. Yeah, we used to go to see buildings and structures and things. In fact, I even uh, found him a book not too long ago on the cars of Frank Lloyd Wright. And it was about the cars that Frank Lloyd Wright because he was into cars um, that he collected and he enjoyed. We share a background there that is very interesting. Mm -hmm. Well, what I want to do now is take a look at some of the roads you've driven down. And you've certainly driven down a lot of interesting roads, the Baja 1000 being one of them. I'd like to crawl under the hood and get our hands a little dirty and have you share a huge challenge or even better, a big failure that you've faced along the way in your career. And of course, the great thing about these circumstances that we come upon is what they teach us and how they help us move forward so that we can improve. So take us to a painful point in time. Walk us through that and then tell us what you learned from it.
1: Oh, gosh. Mark, I I, I think there are so many of them.
0: Oh, well, good. <laughs>
2: good.
1: Probably just because I, I live my life kind of, hanging it out there with some things, you know? I think so. People like that. I would say that I've had a a number of things that I would think of as as failures, but I don't think of them as failures. A couple that I can think of in driving. One of them was middle of the night, almost about 4.30 in the morning, driving the Baja 1000. I uh, knew in my gut that there was a, a, a gotcha coming up. I was driving a vehicle that I had not pre-run before, and I was put in that position. I knew better. I was put in that position by my race mentor, and you know he trusted me, and I just knew that I I should have I needed to pre-run, and um, you know as it, coming out of a big fog storm, I hit basically a cross ditch. That was about two feet high, but it was covered in silt, so you couldn't see it. Oh. And it wasn't marked. It was marked pre-running, but, you know, it's the middle of the night, foggy, nasty. Yeah. You know, I would reduced my speed, which was good, but I hit that, that cross-stitch and literally center-punched the skid plate. And endowed twice, and oh. then barrel twice, um, but landed on my wheels and drove away. But oh my gosh! Uh, like,
2: oh okay,
1: God. which way are we going? Which way are we pointed? Okay, where, that way. Where I'm am going. I? Yeah. yeah, and but you know we didn't make it very far before you know we realized that we had damage, and and seven vehicles had just hit it, and all endowed. One was wadded up on the next to us, and and that was a lesson of. Hey, you know, you want it so bad, so you go out and do it even despite what your gut says.
2: Yeah.
1: And you're not as prepared as you should be. And, you know, it's I. we were so far ahead. I could have walked to the finish line um, oh, and still yeah. won the class. And it was one of those things where um, we were out in a tough place. But how you handle that, how I handle that, it's about how you handle failure, how you take that responsibility in and you don't blame it on anything else and Mm -hmm. that's the thing that i learned as a driver if your car is prepped well and you have a great team when you make a mistake there are so many people out there that blame it on the car Mm -hmm. that blame it on something else that blame it on a situation and that is the really beautiful thing about being a driver you have to take full responsibility and driving is a very ego-driven sport yep but i would say that it's been very good sport for me in the sense that it's humbling because you sit there and say, wow, people like spent days or weeks to go and stand at a location in the middle of nowhere to make sure I get out of there, to make sure we get through there. I have a co-driver that trusts their life to me. All those things, that made a big impression. The other thing, um, I would say that another situation that happened was I had an incredible race and Came across the finish line. It was very challenging. It was one of the steepest races I've ever been in. A lot of cliffs and drop-offs and big descents and big climbs and extremely rough. They even went in the night before and bladed a road through a canyon. And, you know, just rocks everywhere. Wow. It, not a lot of people finished that race. And, you know, Rod's message was I always had to finish. I mean, I had to do everything I could to get across that finish line. Mm-hmm. Because you didn't know how it was going to shake out till he did. So we got across the finish line and they said I won. And then the next day, I go into the awards and find out that I lost by two seconds
2: oh.
1: in an eight hour race. And it was interesting because I was thinking I was pretty great, you know? And, and you think, <laughs> oh, yeah, I won this. You know, who cares that, you know, my batteries weren't charged on my impact wrench and, you know, like all these things. I went back in and went, I didn't lose two seconds. I lost 13 minutes.
2: Yeah.
1: If yeah. I had really thought about all those two seconds when I added it up, there are 13 minutes that I could have won by.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: So yeah. I think that the failures that you go through are exactly what you need at exactly that moment. <laughs> and you right. learn from them and you p- apply and then you try not to keep making those same mistakes. Yeah. And um, I had a gentleman named Corky McMillan who was big in, in off-road racing, and he, mm-hmm. he's no longer with us, but he gave me some great advice once. He said, when you make a mistake, it's totally okay to do it, but try not to make it again. You have to stop making that same mistake. Yeah, So yeah. it's okay to do it once, but you know, don't do it twice. If you do it twice, you really need to go back to the drawing board and figure out why you're doing it.
0: Great stories. You know, I had... Um Sal Fish, who's a retired CEO and president of SCORE uh, International, of course. I
1: I love Sal. A great, great man.
0: Yeah, and he talked about uh, just all the trials and tribulations of putting on that Baja event all the years. And great story. Thanks for sharing that. Oh, oh my gosh. Well, let's shift gears here and go to the other end of the spectrum. You already shared an aha moment with me, but think of another aha moment that really made a change in your career, helped identify a new path to go down, and tell us the steps you took to turn that aha moment into a success?
1: Oh, wow. Okay. Well, I would say that my life, I I was very focused in in school and college. I knew exactly what I wanted to do, went in and did it, and um, worked extremely hard in the Bay Area. And I remember that I had a great mentor. He was in the technology world, and I was in San Francisco in sports medicine. Mm -hmm. And he said, hey, I want you to come take a look at this company over here and, and evaluate it. And I thought that was so funny. I go, I have a glorified PE degree. Like, I can't <laughs> evaluate a company. Yeah. He was a really special person in the technology world and still is. And he gave me an opportunity to work on a dot-com. And it was very interesting because um, it was very different from what I was doing. But he said to me, I can teach you how to market. I can teach you how to do a lot of these things. But I can't teach you. How to want to win. All all the same things that Rod said to me, right? Yeah, was exactly what he said. And what I realized, you know, at that moment is, it's really like I had gone to school and done all this training, and but what I really realized is that it really comes down to team and drive and desire and work ethic over all else. Mm -hmm. And um, I made a big shift in my career, and it was at a, a good moment in my life to do it. And I never, even though a lot of people really kind of came down on me because I loved what I did, I really wanted that new adventure. Mm -hmm. And it was a new door opening. And what I realized is that sometimes in life, there are these doors that are presented to you or windows that are open. And you need to sit and really think about it and then take it and go Mm -hmm. and don't look back. That was an aha moment. And then it happened again with Rod. Rod. And then it, it's happened in a sense, again, with me um, putting on and starting The Rebel. And it's just, it's the next chapter. <laughs>
0: yeah, absolutely. Yes, the, the next path to follow. Well, how about proudest career moments? Uh, you've been awarded some very prestigious awards. Is, is there a proudest moment you'll share with us that uh, was really special for you?
1: Yeah, I, I mean, there have been several. To tell you the truth, whenever we do a project and my teams here in the office with me today, and and whenever we do a project and we get to the finish and it's a job well done, and and we all just look at each other and we know it, mm-hmm. and we worked as a team and we all you know just didn't give up. That's a pr- it's always a proud moment. You know, a- awards are, are lovely, they're they're nice, they're special, et cetera. But it's not the award; it's the journey that got to the award. But I will say that. There was a, a situation that I was really proud of because it was really difficult. I was um, running the AMA National Finals for Supermoto Racing, mm-hmm. and it was sponsored by Red Bull. And I um, worked with Red Bull as the producer of that event. Uh, the head of mar- marketing at the time came to me and said, hey, do you think we can shut down this city? And I said, sure, let's, let's do it. I, I, I think we can. So it was in Reno, Nevada, and um, I believe it was uh, 2005. What we did is I had, was producing a, a driving event for about seven General Motors dealerships out in another part of Nevada, and at the same time was getting ready to shut down the city of Reno, Nevada. And we dumped so much dirt in the middle of that city, oh, and God. we shut down the city for six days and put on the Red Bull AMA Supermoto National Finals. Mm -hmm. We had to relocate a bus station, have all the safety plans to be able to evacuate and access all the casinos. And I had to have basically a plan for about 70 businesses that would be impacted by that event. And Oh my gosh. Yeah, it was incredible. And we had about 45,000 people down on the street around the course. It was only that's as many people as we could get onto the course because it was so packed in. Yeah. But then there were people like up you know, in on all the buildings. And just to see that happen, because everybody said we couldn't do it. And we just knew we could. We knew that we had a city that was excited and wanted to embrace it. Right. But to pull in and, and basically work with a team um, like that and... You know, to make sure the gentleman in his, his apartment building could make sure he could get out and go shopping and had golf cart service. You know, like to, <laughs> to, to come pick him up. But yeah, it was one of those things that was so 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 difficult. Wow. But when you saw it all come together and you knew that no one knew what you went through to make it happen, and those racers had no idea. They just figured they show up and the city shut down. Okay, great. Yeah. Well, what does it mean to shut down the interior of a of a city? to make them look like rock stars. Right. And you know, that's one of those moments where the team that put that on, we will be friends for life. You know, like (laughs) I would do anything for them. And that doesn't seem like something that you're like, oh, you should be proud of, but it was so hard to pull off. All right. When you see something like that happen, it's just so fun and it's so rewarding. Um, and I think the moments that I'm proud of is when, um, you know when you when you take something and you take coaching and you it you turn it into action or you turn it into a win, and then you can turn back and thank your mentor and you can thank the people that made it happen mm-hmm. that's when I feel very proud
0: that's absolutely incredible well let's have a little bit of fun here. I'd love for you to share your first really special car and maybe a memory you have of that vehicle
1: oh gosh, yeah, you know my first I would say the special car was something I worked really hard for, and it was in when I was in college, and it was an Audi. I think it was a 1988 Audi GT Coupe, mm-hmm. and um, I'm an Audi girl, <laughs> and love Audis, um, love all-wheel drive cars, and I mean the great ones. You know, today so many things are a, are all-wheel drive, but Audi really shaped shaped it all right and that audi gt coupe I'll, I'll never forget i'll never forget picking it up and driving off with it in denver colorado and driving this mountain pass outside of buena vista colorado to get back home to gunnison on that dirt and and driving that car and that was like it was like a spiritual moment it was <laughs> one of those things that that's, you know, it's hard for me to like describe perfectly right? because it was that super spiritual moment. And I think there's a moment too where I I love to ski and snowboard and surf and and mountain bike. And there's a moment where you become one with your gear, <laughs> where the car feels like an extension. You know, the second you put your hands on the wheel and you put your feet on those pedals, It's like you're, the car becomes a part of your body. And it's true because technically it is, you know, and it's the same way when you're on skis, when you don't feel like you're being taken a ride on a ride with your skis, Mm -hmm. but you're actually like driving your skis. It's the same way with a Kahar. Yeah. And you just melt into it and you feel like you can put that vehicle exactly where you want it. That's that moment. I understand and and i've had the same moment in vehicles since being trained by rod because that's what you're always looking for you're looking for that sweet spot of that of that feel
0: right absolutely well the, the audi gt i mean those are classic iconic and you you think about the group v rally cars they built mm-hmm. that were just iconic race cars that set the stage for World Rally and the things that they mm-hmm. did. So having the uh, street version of that uh, GT Coupe, yeah, definitely oh, very yeah. special. Well,
1: and, and my idol was Michelle Mouton. Oh, okay, yeah. that was 16, wow. I mean, that's when she was racing Pikes Peak, and and it just was incredible.
0: Yeah, yeah, she was incredible, absolutely. How about seller's remorse? Is there a vehicle you've owned that you've let go that you really wish you had back in the garage?
1: No, No, but I will <laughs> say that there's one, well, that's not it's not a vehicle that I sold. It was a vehicle that I was loaned to do a special project and it was to help train, um, some drivers for Mercedes and drivers and navigators. It was actually just a couple of years ago and it was the Mercedes G550. And I can tell you that just, I love stock cars, stock cars off-road. I believe that there's this space that people don't understand how capable they are.
2: Mm
1: -hmm. Um, The vehicle in your driveway is so well-designed. There are so many of them, and they can do a lot. And I can tell you that with a great – I had a great set of tires. I put a Nitto uh, Terra Grapplers on this G550 and drove them in the big sand dunes down in Glamis Mm. um, for Mm -hmm. a few months. And that that car is just – it's, bomb, it's bomb-proof. I can just say <laughs> that. It is bomb-proof. Yeah. But it had, it had so much power. But even though it's a big car and it looks top-heavy, it felt incredibly balanced. Mm. And it just, um, you can feel the craftsmanship in it. Yeah. And that is um, just a, an outstanding car.
0: So let's talk about what has you fired up and excited today. The Rebel Rally is coming up here in just a few days. starts on October 13th and it goes for seven days. I've had some past guests here that are going to be participating in that event. Michelle Davis and Andrea Schaefer from Team Sugar High, which will be great. These two ladies are really stepping out of their comfort zone and trying something new. Rhonda Cahill and Rachel Croft, who, of course, have done rallies uh, over in Africa and are going to be participating. So tell us about this event. What prompted you to do it? A little bit about what it's all about so that the uh, listeners can get a taste for what's going to happen. And also, how can we follow along during this uh, week-long event?
1: Sure. Uh, Well, I'm extremely excited about this project. Uh, It's been a long time in the making, and it's the Rebel Rally, and it it actually means uh, rebel is a verb, and it means to defy convention, and bell is a beautiful woman. Mm -hmm. So it really means a beautiful woman who defies convention. And it's kind of hard to believe that um, in this day and age uh, you would be using that term in, in automotive, but with women in automotive, it's still a a smaller space, mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. there are not a lot of opportunities where women can really go out into uh, an event that is kind of designed for their tastes, um, temperaments, and, and, and um, uh, the kind of this kind of challenge. And I wanted something that was extremely authentic and, ext- and and challenging, and would meet a mission which I really want to be able to pass along the things that I've learned from being off road, and that is being competent and you're, you're comp- building your confidence and your competence and being able to kind of go tackle the world. And, you know, I've been very fortunate to go a lot of places uh, driving around the world. And I've basically taken my experience not only as an event producer, but as a, as a uh, racer and also and just an adventurer and package them into one event. The rebel is it's 10 days total but seven days driving off road and it's approximately uh, 1200 miles and it is compass and map, no GPS. Um, you don't bring teams, families, support crews. It is just the rebel rally core team, which is uh, approximately 60 people. And then our teams. And right now we have 76 women from, um, uh, I believe it's 19 states and four countries
2: wow. that
1: are going to participate in the first one. And hats off to them for doing it because they don't know what they're getting into. Honestly, they mm-hmm. don't. Yeah. Um, they've The course is uh, not published. Uh, they just know that they're going to get maps, compass and a road book. <laughs> there are going to be time, speed, distance sections where they... Like a kind of traditional rally, but um, uh, TSD rallies where they have to average a particular speed. We have, that's not the bulk of the competition though. The bulk of the competition is made up of finding checkpoints. And these checkpoints are along the route and they're almost marked like a ski run green, blue, or black. And it just really means what you can see like greens are, are marked checkpoints with the course official, blues are, are smaller markings and sometimes unmanned. And then black checkpoints, there's no, there's no checkpoint. You have to know you're in the zone. Mm. And you have a tracker. You signal your beacon at your checkpoints, and you check in. And if you're within the bullseye, you get a certain amount of points. You're outside the bullseye. You don't get the points. And so it's really like a hybrid combination of finding checkpoints and then also your TSD sections. Um, its highest score wins. It's an incredible drive. It's an incredible tour, but it technically is also a competition. Right. And but if you are not very experienced, you can do this and you can just go from green checkpoint to green checkpoint. But and have an incredible incredible experience, see incredible things. But if you want to win it, you need to be good at navigation and not just good, great at navigation because nailing black checkpoints I wanted an event Where you could take someone who didn't have a lot of experience um, navigating or even uh, driving, Mm -hmm. and then you could also have someone with a lot of experience still be challenged. Because that's really important to me is that we can have this course, and we'll see how it shakes out. Right?
2: Right. (laughs) Yeah. There's no guarantee.
1: (laughs) Of course. We've been running this course so much. Um, It actually starts in Lake Tahoe, transitions out into Nevada. We will be in Nevada half the time, and we'll be in California half the time. And they, the women will see some of the most amazing desert. And and I can say, um, honestly, that of all the places I've been, I believe that there are points on this route that rival the most beautiful desert in the world. No, no joke. In mm-hmm. fact, where our self, we have a marathon leg. And the marathon leg is where you go out. And you actually self-camp or you stay in a location on your own. There's no base camp. There will be other teams there and, you know, safety staff. But I believe that that location is one of the prettiest places I've ever seen. Mm. It's just stellar. So the way it works is that the women go from base camp to base camp. There are four total base camps. And those base camps have mechanics, impound, um, camping area, Big main tent. You know we have um, media following. We have a nightly live webcast at 8 p.m. Pacific, and then we have great food. So this is something I think the ladies will really appreciate. We have a a top uh, chef. He's actually a Michelin star chef named Drew Deckman. Wow. And he will be cooking and his his team. And I've just seen the menus and they look incredible. But when they're out on the course um, on the self camp, they'll be back to literally military issue rations. Mm -hmm. So it'll be kind of a big, we we call it rough and refined. There's (laughs) definitely refined and there's definitely rough.
0: Rough, yeah. Wow. This is incredible. And I'm sitting here just thinking of what has to happen to make this even possible, blows my mind and is a true testament to your experience in putting on events because this is no easy little task so uh, i think it's really exciting how can listeners follow along what are the ways that we can watch what's happening
1: sure well one of the ways it's great is through social media our instagram twitter and facebook the handle is at rebel rally r-e-b-e-l-l-e r-a-l-l-y that is um, a great place. Also on the website, you can actually see our live tracking. So there's tracking on the vehicles. We have um, developed a scoring system that is in in as near real time as possible. So as they hit checkpoints, um, we should be able to see whether they've made it or not within five minutes. Then also the live webcast, like I said, at 8 p.m. at night. And that's a great way to, to tune in, see a little bit about what's happened during the day, and also get interviews with the teams.
0: Very cool. Wow, this is absolutely tremendous. So exciting. And, well, here's a very introspective question for you, Emily. I love this question. If Emily was a car, what kind of car would Emily be and why? Why?
1: I've had to think a lot about that. Good,
0: so,
2: good.
1: I, I've, I've got a few answers. I would love to think I'm some sleek sports car. But I'm definitely not that, even though I appreciate them. I would actually say, this is kind of random, it would probably be a combination between a an old vintage BMW 3.0 cool. CS.
2: Ah, nice.
1: And... Uh, I would say either a Toyota Hilux or a, an Isuzu D Max pickup. <laughs> Basically, just a reliable, international, go anywhere, never quit. Uh, load all your gear in and go just explore. Cool. Um, cool. kind of. Re- but I would say the the BMW because I, I, you know, I would say it sort of has that. It's fun. It, it's got that laid back. Mm-hmm. style like the way it's designed it's a little laid back but it also kind of really spiced things up in the sort of the sports car car world a bit at the time It's kind of this kind of in-between vehicle but really fun and it's just uh it, i think my personality fits with that but you can't take away the off-road vehicle you know at the same time i'd love to say that i'm a mercedes g-class but
0: I think you put some great thought into this, and I really appreciate that when guests do that. Well, Emily, up next is the last lap, but before we put the pedal to the metal, let's say thank you to today's Cars Yeah sponsors. Hey, Cars Yeah listeners, I have a question. What's the best way to protect your vehicle, both the exterior and the interior? It's with a car cover. I've been using Covercraft car covers since 1975. It's a fast, easy, and inexpensive way to keep your vehicle looking new. Covercraft is the world's largest manufacturer of custom patterned vehicle covers and they are crafted to fit like a custom suit with over 80,000 patterns available. And they're made in the USA. But Covercraft is much more than car covers. Their vehicle protection system protects your cars, motorcycles, watercrafts, and RVs, exteriors from the elements, and the interiors from the wear and tear of daily life. Car covers, front end masks, dash covers, seat covers, floor mats, and much, much more. Covercraft offers you a full array of custom accessories made specifically for and styled to complement and protect your special vehicle. Covercraft is the right choice. I use them on all my vehicles, and your special vehicles will love them too. Learn more today at Covercraft.com. And you can get free shipping when you use the code at checkout, CARSYEAH. If you own collector cars and still have a little bit of money left over, congratulations. Make sure your investments are running on all eight cylinders, or 12, or 16. Securities through Money Concepts Capital Corp. Member, Finra SIPC. Okay, Emily, we are back and we're entering the last lap. And this is where I'm going to fire off a series of questions and ask you to give our listeners some very quick blips of the throttle answers. So here we go. What's the best automotive advice you've ever received?
1: I would say any Rod hall <laughs> is the best automotive <laughs> advice I've ever received.
0: <laughs> I think that's great. How about a personal habit that you believe has helped contribute to your success?
1: I would say that it's, it's being self-critical. Hmm. And I don't mean critical in a bad way. I think it's about self-evaluating. Um, when I am being sloppy or violating best practices, whether it's in my work or especially driving, I really try to throttle back. And say, wait, I, I know I shouldn't be doing it this way because right. you're, I'm just reinforcing bad habits. Mm-hmm. You in life can reinforce good habits by practicing them, or you can reinforce bad habits by practicing them in just your everyday life. Yeah,
2: absolutely. And I would
1: say that that not being afraid to say, hey, you know what, I, I need to I need to throttle back here, or I need to change what I'm doing. Doing that, self evaluating, and then actually working on it. Um, and being very honest yep. uh, with myself, and then also asking very dear friends of mine to be honest with me.
0: Yes, definitely. Now, how about a resource? There's tons of great resources out there, but is there one you'd like to share with the Carshal listeners?
1: Gosh, a, a resource. When I looked at this, I actually thought about somebody really special that I wanted to to say something about. There's there's a writer. Um, who passed away yesterday? That was a mm. uh, very uh, a dear friend and an amazing woman. And she's one of the early automotive journalists. She's been doing it for over twenty years, uh, early o- female automotive journalist, and that's mm. Holly Reich. Mm. And Holly was an incredible woman. and And I just think um, right now, um, ladies, if you're listening, go out and just um, google search her and and read some of her. Her uh, stories yeah. out there um, in her automotive pursuit, just because she was such an, a special woman and a, an absolute inspiration to me and so many other women. And uh, I know that that's not necessarily like a resource, but I think um, we uh, should just pay tribute to someone so special as Holly and automotive
0: well, most definitely, and my condolences for a loss of, your, of a friend and a mentor for you. I had the late Denise McCluggage as a guest here on my show. It was such a treat to get to meet her. and met her at Pebble Beach, and she was one of those early woman legends in journalism and in racing that really stepped into the man's world and uh, had to kind of fight her way through a lot of stuff, as she told me. Mm-hmm. So uh, yeah, she's another one. But it, having a person as a resource, most definitely. So we'll make sure we put some links up on your show notes page for that. And how about a book? Is there a book that you've read that you think our listeners should enjoy reading?
1: Well, it's not automotive related, but okay. I it's a book that helped me when I started racing. And I thought, you know, I'm new to this. I know I wanted to do well and I want to succeed at it. And it was something I would always read before a race. And it's called um, The Power of Intention by Dr. Wayne Dyer. Oh, yes. And I am not one for like self-help books and all those things. But it's just a b- very powerful book on on setting your mind toward uh, a, a defined intention. And it's, it's definitely helped me.
0: Great book. Absolutely. Well, listeners, you can find links to all these great resources Emily's been so kind to share on her very own show notes page at com slash Emily Miller. And there's another great place on the site called Guest Recommended Books where this book and the past uh, 616 guest books are listed for quick, easy clicks to buy. All right, we're up to the checkered flag, Emily, and this last question can be a real doozy. If you could have only one cool, fun collector car in your garage, and money's no object, I'll buy you whatever you'd like today. What would that vehicle be, and more importantly, why?
1: Okay, put me on pause on that.
0: <laughs> there is no pause here at Cars Yeah. <laughs>
1: okay. <laughs> I would say that the most incredible car that I have ever seen, loved, desired is a 1936 Mercedes Benz, the 500 K Roadster.
2: It
1: it sits in the hair car collection and it is, I've gone into that car collection at least 15 plus times just to either look at it, stand there or bring friends to see it. It's just so a, a work of art that I just, it's, it just leaves me speechless.
0: Yeah, they're incredible, incredible cars. I've had the great fortune of seeing many of them, both at uh, at the Harris Collection, of course, at the Mercedes Museum in Stuttgart, where they've got them, and of course on the lawn at Pebble Beach and Amelia Island, other events where these cars have appeared. And they are majestic, to say the least. I mean, they're just, it's hard to even imagine somebody driving around the streets in one mm-hmm. of those things because yeah. they're just, they have such a presence. So very nice. What color would you like? A uh, silver. Silver, classic yeah, a classic German racing color. Classic
1: silver, yes. Yeah,
0: very nice. Oh goodness. Well, Emily, you're gonna cost me a pretty penny today. I better um uh, Oh yeah. I better put my coins together and go find you one of these. <laughs> well, Emily, you've taken me on an awesome ride today. I knew you would, and I've really enjoyed your stories, and I want to thank you for sharing your incredible journey with me and with the Cars Y'all listeners. Would you offer us one parting piece of guidance before you head off into the sunset in that thirty six Mercedes five hundred K?
1: Yes. I would say the two things are to never let negativity and the naysayers get in your way and never quit. Mm. Just never, never quit.
0: Those are the best words of any racer for sure. And uh, I've heard those words from many racers, never, never give up, never quit. So excellent advice. What's the best way for our listeners to learn more about you, your business, and the Rebel Rally?
1: Oh, gosh. Well, I would say go straight to rebelrally.com. And that's dot Yeah, um, You can also check out our blog there or um, my blog, and which I need to keep up on right now because it's crazy times, mm-hmm. uh, getting gearing up for the rebel. But that's um, emilyoffroad.com.
0: Awesome. Great. And does your company have a website as well?
1: Soulside Network. But, you know, we, uh, uh, we don't talk a, a lot about what we do. You can find us on LinkedIn. And we like to uh, make our clients shine mm. and not tell the world what we're doing for our clients <laughs> to make sure that they're being the focus of of, of great uh, attention and, you know, they, they get the credit.
2: Yeah,
0: very so. nice. Very nice way to operate a business. Well, listeners, again, you can find all these great links on Emily's show notes page at CarsYet.com. Just type Emily, E-M-I-L-Y in that search bar. And that page will pop up with all these links. I encourage you to check out what's going on with the Rebel Rally. Uh, these past guests here at Carjia, yeah, you can go back and listen to their shows on the website here. Learn more about these ladies and what they're going to be getting themselves into, which is going to be great fun. I wish you guys the best of luck. I know this is going to be a fantastic event. And I want to thank you for being so generous today with your time and your expertise and, and for sharing your experiences with our listeners. Until we talk again, I'll see you down the road.